Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 9.33 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 7th day of June, 2023. This is episode 742 of Bitcoin. And we're going to cover a little bit of some other analysis of what happened yesterday. The whole Coinbase thing and clearly the day before that, the Binance thing. Because this is going to be ongoing at least for a little while. Could it result in simply them both getting a slap on the wrist and having to pay some what we think of as a huge fine, but to them is like, you know, what they spend on urinal cakes in the bathroom. Who knows? Did we don't, we don't know. It's possible. It wouldn't surprise me one stinking bit. If they make this huge play, look, we're saving your ass. We're doing all the things you can trust us. You think send us your tax dollars, please. So that we can continue to just save you money, whatever. Um, yeah, they, they could, they could end up just doing a fine. And then at that point, what happens? Does Binance and Coinbase just fall in line and, you know, do all the things that the United States government wants them to do? Or do they seek greener pastures? Honestly, if I were them, I'd, I'd seek greener pastures. But again, we don't know what's going to happen. And anybody that tells you that they do know what's going to happen, again, is either lying to you or they have conceptually, <laughs> they have no conception of what's actually going on. They're conceptually wrong. So just be aware. Uh, there's some other issues we're going to cover. Kathy Wood is in the news again. Uh, what else have we got here? Oh, um, Kind of want to uh, talk about who's holding Bitcoin at this point. There's a a little bit of analysis on that. Uh, Zion Social is making an announcement. Uh, What else do we got here? Oh, oh, Guy Swan. Guy Swan's in the news. That's in the second part of the news you can use. So uh, don't miss that one after uh, after we run numbers. Onyx is a thing that's been going on. It caused quite a bit of stir on Noster. We'll talk about what that stir actually was. Uh, got a description of some crypto mine or uh, Bitcoin mining surviving the winter. Uh, how a particular guy is, you know, surviving all these winters. What? How does mining survive not one or two, but maybe three winters? I mean, these these things are impactful, you know? So how how does a smaller miner actually survive? Jack Dorsey has some words to say about Ethereum. And then we've got a little bit of AI news insofar as apparently the Black Mirror creator doesn't really know how to use AI. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get into it. I don't think AI should be writing scripts, but th- I want to read that one because it kind of demonstrates how 
lots of people think AI is, how they work with AI as it is, and how they work with AI as their thoughts of what AI is, is, if that makes any sense whatsoever. And then finally, apparently a Russian government official has been bribed with Bitcoin. But first, what's going down at the Circle P? What's the Circle P? I'm naming, I'm naming something, I'm naming it the Circle P, right? Like the Circle K. If you've ever been anywhere close to, you know, southern part of the United States, getting into the east, you know, sort of the eastern side, you get Circle Ks. It's it's like a 7-Eleven, right? And the whole, I just kept thinking about what I would name a group of people that sell their goods and services that are plebs. And I just, I, Circle P makes sense because, you know, we can start doing the whole something strange is afoot at the Circle P. And the first one up is Maple Trade, a.k.a. at Beisnerds, B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S. <clears throat> he sells maple syrup and his sister's Sarah's soaps. Uh, you can get him on Noster at at B-E-I-S-N-E-R-D-S is pronounced Beisnerds. You can also look for uh, Maple Trade. Uh, sometimes it depends on the client, the Nostra client that you're using, but he goes by the same handle on Twitter. So if you want to get a hold of him over there on Twitter, it's still at Beisnerds. Okay. So the ma- the maple syrup that he makes, he makes it by hand. All right. He's not buying like somebody else's maple syrup and then reselling it. He's not drop shipping to you, somebody else's maple syrup. This is maple syrup that he tapped the trees himself. He boiled down the maple sap into maple syrup himself. He bottled it himself. And when he said, when you get it in the mail, it's because Beisner's put it in the mail. He takes Bitcoin. Use the Lightning Network. It's it, it's much easier. But this the best maple syrup I've ever had. And when I when my wife. My wife was kind of, she's like, well, I don't know. It didn't come from a store. And I was like, dude, you, you got to try it. And now she's cracked open like the third bottle of uh, maple syrup that Nerds has sent us because it's it's that good. And my wife doesn't mess around when she goes uh, and cooks. All right. Uh, if if any of you ever saw the some of the stuff that I used to put up on, on Twitter before they banned me, uh, I put up a lot of stuff like my wife making gravy, fried chicken, this woman, she doesn't mess around. So when she likes something, she likes something. Second up in circle P, shishi21m at protonmail.com. Uh, you can get them at, on, on Noster at shishi21m. Also try on certain clients just at shishi, S-H-I-S-H-I. Comfrey, he sells comfrey. He sells roots of comfrey, which is all you need to start your very own comfrey plant. If you haven't, heard what I've said about Comfrey on a previous a couple of previous shows, then you don't know why you need this plant. You need this plant. Okay? You can get a full root for twenty bucks and you can probably chop that up into ten, maybe even twenty pieces. Uh, or you can get root cuttings for a buck each. You you pay the shipping, but she she twenty one M also, also, also pay him pay him in Bitcoin. And by the way, use the Lightning Network. He has two kinds of comfrey, one of which I personally vouch for because I'm the one that sent him the root stock for him to propagate, and now he's reselling it. Uh, 
from plants that he grew from the roots that I sent him. And I know this plant, I know, well, it's the Bocking 4 variety. You want this plant, you want this plant. You also want Bocking 14. There's a little bit, There, it's a little, the two varieties are just a bit different in their nutrient profile and growth habits, but both of them are safe to grow anywhere in the continental United States. I, the thing is a beast. And I will give you, actually, hold on for a second. Let me uh, let me get this up for you, Comfrey. And I'm going to show tell you the, uh, let's see here. What was the show? Episode 726 is all about Comfrey. Okay, so Bitcoin and episode 726 is all the reason that you listen to that, then you'll understand why it is that she, she is in the circle P. All right, let's see. Now that that's all done, what else do we have to do? Ah, there was something else that I was going, I was going to say, and I can't remember what the hell it was. So I guess it must've not been very important. This one probably is. Let's start with the news. Let's start with Gary Gensler. Matt DeSalvo is writing this one for Decrypt. SEC Chair Gary Gensler, the United States doesn't need cryptocurrency. Now, for everybody just gets all in a snit, let's, let's figure out what he's saying here. Shortly after the United States Securities and Exchange Commission filed its lawsuit against Coinbase on Tuesday, Gary Gensler said that the crypto industry's entire business model is built upon non-compliance. In a damning CNBC interview, top American securities regulator said, quote, we don't need more digital currency, end quote. He then said that crypto exchanges are commingling a number of functions, which wouldn't be acceptable in traditional finance, giving, given the hypothet- or, sorry, giving the hypothetical example of the New York Stock Exchange also operating as a hedge fund. Quote, we already have digital currency. It's called the U.S. dollar. It's called euro. It's called the yen. They're all digital now. End quote. Gensler's comments came after the regulator today sued America's biggest crypto exchange Coinbase for not having registered as an exchange, clearinghouse, and broker and allegedly selling unregistered securities. Yesterday, the SEC also hit the world's biggest digital asset exchange, Binance, with 13 civil charges, alleging that the massive crypto company had a blatant disregard of American federal securities laws. The complaint alleges that Binance and its CEO, Shengpeng Zhao, misused and commingled customers' funds. Since, since Gary Gensler became the SEC boss in 2021, the regulator has intensified a crackdown on the crypto industry. And the pace has picked up since digital asset exchange FTX rapidly collapsed in November due to alleged criminal mismanagement. Prosecutors allege that the exchange commingled customer funds with its sister trading firm, Alameda Research, to make risky bets. This year, the SEC has targeted U.S. crypto exchanges Kraken, Bittrex, and Coinbase for allegedly selling unregistered securities. But the crackdown has rattled some lawmakers, mostly Republicans, who claim that harsher rules and an apparent lack of clarity will stifle innovation in the world's largest economy. Among the lawmakers who've cried foul of Gensler's handling of the handling of the SEC was Representative Warren Davidson, who went on to say that he plans on introducing legislation to have Gensler fired. 
All right, we've heard about that before. So getting back to the original statements of Gensler, because that's the most important part of this entire article here. He's saying that we already have the dollar, the yen, and the euro. He's never said that Bitcoin is anything other than a commodity. He's attacking pretty much the entire shitcoin field as unregistered securities. I have to say, Gary Gensler is presenting me with a deeper psyche than I had once imagined Gary Gensler has. Because he's not including Bitcoin in this. He's, kill, he's pretty much done away with staking. Uh, as, as to how that flies through the field, we're going to have to see. But that's just part of the deal. So anybody who's staking, and this includes all of the Ethereum crowd, you guys are in deep, deep shit. Unless he says, well, okay, all staking is illegal in the United States except for Ethereum. Wouldn't put it past him. But I, I don't see how he's going to be able to make a competent argument for that. So staking, shit coins or securities, they're all dead. All right, They're either dying or, or going to die or definitely took a blow to the face. But Bitcoin's not mentioned. And any time that Gary Gensler has ever mentioned Bitcoin, it's as a commodity or definitely not a security, and it's not mentioned in any of these lawsuits against Kraken, Bitrix, Coinbase, Binance, you name it, whatever, Gemini, who knows who else the SEC is suing at this point. This presents an issue as to how do we, how do we interpret Gary Gensler's statement that we don't need cryptocurrency when he is specifically set Bitcoin aside? And the answer is, I don't know. But one thing that I can say is that the way he's thinking is pretty much a a little bit deeper. I'm not going to go as far and say he's playing 5D chess, but this is something to watch. So be very, very careful. How, How do you protect yourself right now? If... Do you hold altcoin? Do you hold anything but Bitcoin, gold, cash, or something that is already considered a legal, a legal security in the eyes of the SEC? If you do, then I would get rid of it and sell it for Bitcoin. That's that's what I would do. And I would make sure that all of my Bitcoin is off of anything that remotely looks like an exchange. If you got to keep a hot wallet with like 500, maybe a grand, you know, a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin in it. I get it. I understand. I'm not going to chide you on it, but if you're keeping like the majority of your wealth that is Bitcoin based and you're keeping it on an exchange, why is it not off and into cold storage like a cold card? What, why, what are you waiting for? It's not that hard, but 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 we've 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 got somebody else is now on deck. Kathy Wood is back on deck. She's made a very interesting move because she has bought twenty one point six million dollars worth of Coinbase shares as the SEC suit sends the coin prices tumbling and coin being the ticker symbol for Coinbase. And this is CoinDesk and Sheldon Rabak and Sam Reynolds are teaming up on it. Kathy Wood's Ark Investment Management the second largest holder of Coinbase Global stock, 
doubled down on its investment in the crypto exchange after the United States Securities and Exchange Securities and Exchange Commission sued the only publicly traded crypto exchange, sending price shares or share prices tumbling. Now, ARK bought 419,000 shares of Coinbase worth around $21.6 million based on Tuesday's closing price of $51.61. The buy was split across ARK's Innovation ETF, the Next Generation Internet ETF, and the FinTech Innovation ETF. The purchase, the first since May the 3rd, took ARK's total Coinbase holdings to 11.44 million shares, valuing the position at around $590 million. The SEC sued Coinbase on allegations of violating federal securities law. Yes, we understand that. That's pretty much the end of the article. Why is Kathy Wood doubling down on Coinbase shares? Kathy Wood, you may hate her because she's buying Coinbase. Because we're not really all that much fans of Coinbase. You got to put that aside. All right. So take that, wrap it, put it in some newspaper, wrap it up and throw it in the closet for a little while. And let's just talk about what is it that Kathy Woods know? What, what does she know? She knows something. Something's going on. And that something is what? Coinbase is not going to die. It may, we don't know what form it will take on the other side of this Gary Gensler mess. But she knows something. She's not buying Coinbase shares because this thing is going to go into the shitter. So Coinbase, love them or hate them, whatever is going on in this lawsuit is not going to kill them. Now, there's a little risk, of course. That reminds me of the song, but never mind. <laughs> I took a little risk. Um, she, could, she, she, could she get pummeled on this? Absolutely, she could. But people like Kathy Wood don't make these moves. Unless they know something. She knows something. Coinbase is not going to die. And if Coinbase is not going to die, Binance may not die either. Which is why there very well may be a settlement in the works. And instead of a years-long set of court cases dragging on and on and on, they might simply get a slap on the wrist. I'm starting to have my gut feeling, my spidey senses tingling, I'm thinking it's just going to be a slap on the wrist. They're making a big play. They're making a big splash. Gary Gensler's telling you why he needs to be in charge because he's keeping you safe. Nope. He's all they're really going to do is probably slap on the wrist. Something that's like beyond affordable for Coinbase and Binance. And then he will have done his good deed. He will have been the sheriff that kept you safe. Even though both Binance and Coinbase basically have been you know saying that they want regulatory clarity and i honestly i think that the regulatory clarity is there they just need to actually comply but it's such a mess that maybe they're just saying look can you help walk us through this shit because we kind of don't know what we're doing just admit you don't know what you're doing coinbase and ask for help go go hire some other lawyers that have been have done this and get the paperwork shoved through so Kathy Woods can make her billions or whatever when the price of Coinbase goes back up. Now, I'm not saying this is financial advice. Don't, you have to make your own, uh, your own, you have to do that yourself. I'm not telling you to buy Coinbase shares. I'll tell you this, I'm not, and I don't own any either. So there you go. Now back to the SEC. Gensler claims that there are parallels between Binance and FTX, but 
FTX wasn't sued, were they? Felix Ng has this one for Cointelegraph. The United States Securities Chair has hinted at parallels between Binance and FTX. Speaking to Bloomberg on June the 6th, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler pointed to FTX's alleged fraud and manipulation regarding its sister firm Alameda Research, including the alleged role that its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, played in it. Quote, there's a business model that bundles and commingles functions that we don't see, nor would we allow elsewhere in finance, he said. On June the 5th, the SEC filed a complaint against Binance, pressing a total of 13 charges. One of the allegations in the suit claims that funds from Binance and Binance.us were commingled into an account controlled by CZ-associated Merit Peak Limited. Another allegation claims that Binance.us engaged in wash trading through its primary undisclosed market-making trading firm, Sigma Chain, which is also owned by Zao, or CZ. Quote, platform after platform, entrepreneurs are trying to build wealth for themselves and their investors through sister organizations, hedge funds, trading against the customer, said Gary Gensler. <coughs> the recent interview is likely to add more fuel to the ongoing debate on Twitter. Why hasn't the SEC sued FTX? Even CZ asked that on uh, on a tweet that they've got embedded here in the story. It says, they didn't sue FTX. That was his tweet. And of course, he well, he put up Cameron Winklevoss. He's retweeting Cameron Winklevoss and, and quote tweeting it. But still, he makes, a, he makes an excellent point. They didn't sue FTX. In a June 6 tweet, Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse said that the latest string of lawsuits is an attempt by the SEC to distract from the agency's FTX debacle. Others suggested that FTX's sizable donations towards political parties and Bankman-Fried's frequent lobbying in Washington, D.C. in the past could also be a factor. Meanwhile, Marcus Thielen, the head of research and strategy at Maxiport and author of Crypto Titans, offered a different perspective. Speaking to Cointelegraph, he explained that before FTX, crypto was not seen as a major threat to the United States' financial stability. The fall of three major banks this year has proven otherwise. It wasn't a priority to fix or stop the crypto rails initially, said Thielen. People realize that after FTX, it's really billions of dollars, end quote. Thielen also believes there's a notion of embarrassment for those that did not foresee the issues at FTX, including lawmakers. Quote, you can make an argument that those people felt a little bit embarrassed and therefore they have to work double hard to re really distance themselves from it, end quote. It should be noted that while the SEC has not announced a lawsuit against the FTX exchange itself, the regulator has laid charges against its founders and former executives. These include former FTX Sam, CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, former Alameda Research CEO Carolyn Ellison, former FTX co-founder Gary Wang, and former FTX Director of Engineering Nishad Singh. Cointelegraph has contacted the SEC but has yet to receive a response. All right, so that does bring up a good question. Why didn't the SEC file? And, and still, they could. There's, there's nothing stopping them from filing directly against FTX, other than the fact that it's going to really muddy the waters of the whole bankruptcy proceedings and all the other court cases that are ongoing surrounding FTX and Alameda Research. But still, the question is, why do they? They don't care. SEC doesn't give a shit. They're not there to make somebody else's day easier or brighter or, you know, include less lawyers. They don't care. 
They don't care. They don't care. So the question is good that CZ love him or hate him again. He he has a salient point. Why hasn't the SEC sued FTX? That's that's a question that really does need to be answered. And I'm not on Binance's side, and I'm not on Coinbase's side. That's not I'm not on anybody's side. It's just if you look at all the facts, you, you do kind of you gotta you gotta kind of wonder what the hell's going on. Is it really the campaign donations? I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't think so. You'd think it would be, but there's something maybe this is more of a shit. We totally didn't see that happening. Uh, we got caught with our britches down and we don't want to revisit that episode in the SEC's history ever again. I honestly think it's more the embarrassment issue and not the lobbying and campaign donations or anything like that. So form your own opinion. Now, who has the Bitcoin? Who has it? It's a closer look at the Bitcoin supply. Bitcoin Magazine, Dylan LeClaire and Sam Rule. This is an excerpt from Bitcoin Magazine Pro. So who does hold the Bitcoin? Bitcoin's public ledger comes with a new unique level of transparency that includes significant information detailing where the Bitcoin supply lives. With the help of address tracking, public announcements, and some estimation across data sources, we can get a sense of where nearly 47% of total Bitcoin supply is today. A considerable portion of Bitcoin's 21 million supply is estimated to be lost, which includes Satoshi Nakamoto's coins. There's useful data from both Glassnode and chain analysis to suggest that nearly 4 million Bitcoin has been lost. Other large amounts of Bitcoin are on exchanges in the Grayscale Trust or in Bitcoin miners' wallets. Swaths of Bitcoin have been accumulated by the likes of MicroStrategy and more recently Tether. Some 5,500 Bitcoin are locked up in the Lightning Network, while other sums exist as wrapped Bitcoin on blockchains beside Bitcoin. Oh, I can't believe he made that mistake. I've got to pause to correct that. Bitcoin doesn't exist on any other blockchain but Bitcoin's blockchain. All right. The wrapped BTC is an ERC-20 token. It's a shit token. It's a shit coin. You buy, you use your Bitcoin to buy wrapped BTC. The person that took your BTC is holding your BTC where? On Bitcoin, the Bitcoin blockchain. It cannot go to the Ethereum blockchain. I can't believe they missed that, but whatever. Most Bitcoin estimates can be tracked in a routine basis when looking at examples like known U.S. government-associated on-chain addresses from various Bitcoin seizures or when analyzing monthly production updates from public Bitcoin miners. While other holdings detail can be you know, much harder to come by. A private institution may have indicated Bitcoin holdings years ago, but isn't required to publicly announce updates to their stash. Other instances include uncertainty around government holdings. China may have as much as 194,000 Bitcoin from seizures, but it's difficult to verify if this number is current. All that said, the below chart is a rough cut of available data that can be expanded upon and improved for better accuracy across different groups. These figures come from on-chain forensics, public SEC filings, and balance sheet attestations. Of the 2.3 million million of Bitcoin on exchanges, the majority resides on Binance and Coinbase. 
<laughs> they just got sued. This wouldn't include Bitcoin in investment custody products like Grayscale and Coinbase Custody, for example. Binance's share of Bitcoin on exchanges has risen from under 10% in 2019 up to 30% today. That's scary. The company is estimated to have nearly 700,000 Bitcoin on their platform, which can predominantly be attributed to their derivatives marketplace dominance and their international presence, whereas Coinbase is mainly a spot exchange with heavy U.S. presence. Over time, the amount of circulating Bitcoin supply on exchanges has reached 17.5% of circulating supply, reaching its peak back in March of 2020 before declining to just 11.89%. We suspect that the trend of declining Bitcoin on exchanges as a percentage of circulating supply will continue as Bitcoin distributes across an increased number of global adopters thanks to sophisticated personal custody solutions becoming more mainstream and robust as time goes on. In absolute terms, there has never been this level of long-term holders in Bitcoin. Let me repeat that. In absolute terms, there has never been this level of long-term holders in Bitcoin. In relative terms, the only two times in history with a larger share of long-term holder coins is in 2009 before Bitcoin had an exchange rate. And in the depths of the 2015 bear market, with so much of the supply off the market, sell-side pressure in the interim can result in large price adjustments to the downside, since many market participants are partaking in more of a passive role. We can also look at Bitcoin's illiquid supply to quantify holder dynamics. The term illiquid supply refers to Bitcoin that are held by entities that rarely sell, meaning these coins are not readily available for trading. To quantify this, an entity's Bitcoin holdings are deemed illiquid if less than 25% of its received Bitcoins have been spent, liquid if 25 to 75% have been spent, and highly liquid if over 75% have been spent. In the post-2016 halving era, Bitcoin's illiquid supply as a percentage of circulating supply is at its highest level, with holder accumulation taking coins off the market faster than minor issuance can distribute them. As of this April 2023, Bitcoin's illiquid supply surpassed 15 million coin. Holy shit. The trend is clear. Bitcoin continues to distribute into more hands with a greater concentration of supply shifting from entities holding large amounts of Bitcoin, balances of 1,000 to 10,000 BTC or 10,000 to 100,000 BTC and greater than 100,000 BTC to entities holding balances of 10 BTC or less. I think this is good for Bitcoin. It's important to note that entities Holding large amounts of Bitcoin, particularly those with 10,000 plus BTC, are likely managing keys for thousands or even millions of users, exchanges being an obvious example. This is often a classic source of mischaracterization and misinformation when people make claims regarding a lack of wealth distribution of Bitcoin. Yeah, there's clumps of addresses with large holdings of Bitcoin, but this is like claiming that one corporation owns 14% of all U.S. dollars in the commercial banking system. While J.P. Morgan Chase has $2.4 trillion out of $17.1 trillion of deposits in domestic banks, and the deposits are a liability of J.P. Morgan, in actuality, they are custodied for millions of unique individuals and businesses. The key difference, aside from the legal versus cryptographic ownership structure, is the fact that Bitcoin's ownership structure, the UTXO set, 
is much more transparent and more easily auditable. This makes it easy for anyone to look at the data and make informed claims about Bitcoin's supply concentration. Final note, Bitcoin has been successful in attracting a broad spectrum of holders, from individuals to corporations, private entities, and even nation-states. As evidenced by increasing retail ownership and historically high levels of long-term hodlers, it's clear that Bitcoin supply is getting distributed more evenly across this vast array of adopters. This trend is further reinforced by a declining amount of Bitcoin held on exchanges and an increasing illiquid supply moving forward. We anticipate these trends of increased distribution and declining concentration to continue as Bitcoin's 21 million hard-capped supplies divided up between the world's individuals, institutions, corporations, and nation-states. In this case, Bitcoin is a lot like water. It will distribute itself from the high points in, in the world to the low points in the world. It's, it's, it, it's hard to hold on to Bitcoin especially when you look at it in mass across several, like, you know, let's say a billion people. Let's just take that as you got a billion sets of hands trying to hold on to this very, very liquid water-like substance. And sometimes it just drips through your fingers. Ask anybody who's taken part of a Nostra Zapathon lately, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. The drips don't have to be big. They just have to be ongoing and last a long, long time. And Zapathons are one way to drain your wallet pretty extensively. Even though we're talking about just, you know, like a, my Zaps are 21 Satoshis. But you do 100 of them, that's, that's a lot of Satoshi. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So, again, the warning here is, let's say that Gary Gensler isn't going to just find Binance and Coinbase. What happens if the United States Marshal Service somehow or another fully seizes the wallets that are associated with Coinbase and Binance, specifically the wallets that hold Bitcoin? I don't care about the shitcoin wallets. I, I really don't. I'm, I care about the Bitcoin supply. This is your Bitcoin. If you if you use Coinbase and Binance, that's your Bitcoin, yet you have no claim to it other than an IOU. If the U.S. Marshals Service seizes those Bitcoin addresses, you're not getting your Bitcoin back. Then they have the option to market sell all of it in a single day and crash the price. When Bitcoin maximalists tell you to get your shit off the exchanges, we're not doing it just to help you out. We're doing it <coughs> because as we keep our Bitcoin on exchanges, we are in fact endangering not only our future selves, our future wealth, our family's future wealth, we are endangering Bitcoin itself as a protocol. Because if they can get that much Bitcoin in one fell swoop, then how can we say that we were even close to good if even competent stewards of this protocol? We can't. We can't. It's at this point, I've said it before, it's a moral imperative for you to get your shit off of exchanges and into cold storage. If you're not going to do that, you're not, not acting in Bitcoin's best interest. And you're also not acting in your own self-interest. 
You've got to do both. Your self-interest, your best self-interest is intertwined. It's inextricable. You cannot get away from having to stand up and get your coins off these exchanges. Because if you don't, then they're perilously close to be to be garnered by the United States Marshal Service. And we know that they are not good custodians because they don't want to be good custodians. It's up to us, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not going to get your shit off of the exchange, you're not helping Bitcoin. Zion Social Network, we're going to switch gears, talking about social network stuff. Zion, the social network has embraced Bitcoin payments via Lightning Network for instant transactions through secure messaging, BTCKC, Bitcoin Magazine. Zion, the Web5-based social network, has unveiled an update that enables users <coughs> excuse me, to make Bitcoin payments using the Lightning Network within their private encrypted direct messages. With this integration, Zion empowers its users to send and receive Bitcoin instantly while ensuring privacy and freedom from censorship. Uh, Pausing here to say, if you've never heard of Zion, don't feel bad. I have never heard of Zion either. By leveraging the Lightning Network, transactions are near instantaneous and bypass the need for traditional payment processors. Zion ensures that conversations within direct messages remain secure and confidential by incorporating encryption so that users can communicate with one another without fear of their messages being accessed or monitored. The introduction of Bitcoin payments via the Lightning Network aligns with Zion's core mission of liberating social media from the control of large tech companies. By leveraging Bitcoin's decentralized nature and the Lightning Network's capabilities, Zion enables users to transact and communicate freely without compromising their privacy or facing restrictions imposed by traditional social media platforms. This integration within Zion's ecosystem eliminates the need for platform fees, ensuring that the value users send or receive remains intact. Every Satoshi matters, with 1,000 sats being equal to 1,000 sats, providing a seamless experience for users engaging in financial transactions. The introduction of Bitcoin payments via the Lightning Network represents a significant step for Zion in its quest to redefine the social media landscape. By embracing Lightning, Zion can provide a platform where users can freely express themselves while supporting content creators directly. Okay, well, that's great. And since I don't know that much about Zion, I can't really say anything other than I do hope, and I do, that Blue Sky, Zion, and any of the, I don't know, social media 2.0, let's call it 3.0, apps that come out are going to make at least an attempt to also become a client of the Nostra protocol. Why not? How, I mean, would it be that difficult to say, okay, look, here's our own network. This is our own protocol. We have a client. I need you to be able to write into the client, the ability to have a feed uh, coming in from Nostra. And they, you know, the client would have to take in ingest your 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 public private key pair. However, that's managed. I won't get into the differences there, but it would have to ingest that. And then those two platforms might even be able to talk to each other, or the 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 pro the Nostra protocol might be able to actually ingest information from Zion's protocol or Blue Sky's protocol. We haven't seen that yet, but I, my gut feeling 
I think people are going to start working on that. I really do. And if light, if lightning, I mean, lightning as a protocol is, I mean, so here, here's the deal. You got Nostra as a protocol. You got lightning as a protocol. They're two different protocols, yet they work seamlessly together inside of snort.social, inside of Domus, inside of Amethyst, and now the Onyx thing. We'll, we'll get to that here in a sec. Um, if those two protocols can can play together nicely in the same sandbox, then why wouldn't they be able to play nicely with Zion's core protocol, which is all their own? I I don't see any reason why this couldn't work. And if you can do that, then the resilience level on our communications goes through the roof. I, and our ability to transact with each other through Lightning Network. We're, we don't need eBay. We don't need next door we don't need any we don't need anything we don't need amazon honestly well okay lots of people are never going to get used to not buying from amazon but you know i I get it but still you know like shishi 21m i'd like him to be able to sell you know comp free and he does through lightning networks on social media in fact that's how we set up me selling him his first hundred root cuttings (laughs) was the lightning invoice we were doing it through twitter but it was a lightning invoice and there's no reason in the world to keep these protocols separate any longer. We're not in that model of walled gardening at this point. It's not doing anybody any good. And we need to start doing each other some good. Let's run the numbers. CNN CEO Chris Licht is out. They fired him. They fired CNN CEO. Why? Well, apparently he held a the CNN held a Trump town hall with Trump and a bunch of his supporters and internally things got really really messy at CNN and now the CEO has been fired because he dared give anybody other than their selected few candidates a platform. It, if, do I have to say decentralized one more time, especially when it comes to communication protocol? I don't think so. Let's get into it. Oil, West Texas Intermediate is up 1.21% uh, to $72.63. <coughs> Excuse me. Brent North Sea likewise up just over a point to $77.07. Natural gas booming 2.61% to the upside, $2.32 per thousand. Gasoline is up a three full percent to $2.64. See, told you nobody's going to get a break. <laughs> Metals are all down. All of them. Every single one. Gold down the most, I think. No, gold is down the second most. Uh, 1.26% to the downside, $1,956.60. Silver is down 0.63%. Platinum is coming in number... No, just everything flipped. Number two at 1.44% to the downside. Copper down 0.44%. Palladium beating the field down 1.86%. Ag, what's ag doing? Ag is fully mixed. Lumber is up 0.71. Biggest loser today is going to be wheat down almost two points. The biggest winner today looks to be coffee up 1.5%. Live cattle, every, ooh, livestock is down. Uh, Live cattle's down over a point. 
Lean hogs are down 1.73. Feeder cattle are down one and a half. Dow is up scant 0.03. S&P is down a third. NASDAQ is down 1.3. And the S&P mini 1.21% to the upside. We got real money chilling out at $26,393.63. Hold on for a second. I got to change some stuff. Uh, that is after, what, 491,000 BTC exchange hands in the last 24 hours with an average transaction value of 1.13 BTC and a median transaction value of about $113.33. Block times are seriously high. Getting a lot of volatility in hash rate lately. It's kind of odd. 11 minutes and 26 seconds per block. I got seven, a 0.79 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 75.99 BTC taken in fees overall in the past 24 hours. Hash rate is dipped by 1.5%. We're down to 366.9 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator doge is 6.1 United States pennies. So that tells you what the rest of the shitcoin field is doing. Bitcoin has a $512.6 billion market cap today, which is just under 4% of gold's market cap. There is 19,395,255.7 Bitcoin in circulation and 5,354.7 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $141.5 million. There are 70,864 payment channels that we know about and 63.9% of all that shit's being run over Tor. We are projected to have a negative 1.5% estimated difficulty change to the downside on June the 14th, 2023, your mempool is back up to over 200 blocks carrying 300,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. Low priority is still at 47 Satoshis per V-byte and high priority transactions is going to cost you 52 sats or about a buck 92 to get a standard transaction running. I am still number, no, actually I dropped to number 10, but I'm still in the top 10. For Bitcoin and podcast on the fountain charts. I appreciate everybody who has lended me a hand for all of that. And especially to Itsy, actually not especially to everybody that is, whether you're 100 sats, 10 sats, or like Itsy Bitsy Hodel, 10,000 sats. I appreciate all of you. Not somebody more than others. I appreciate every single one of you all the same. Because it's just... Not fair to say I appreciate Itsy Bitsy Hodel's 10,000 sats more than God's death of 1370 sats. I don't think that's right. But thank you, Itsy Bitsy Hodel, for the 10,000 sats boost that says maximalists be like, got 99 shit coins, but Bitcoin ain't one. (laughs) There are some maximalists out there that are pure LARPers. That beware. People will use any method to scam your mind, your wallet, your soul, your heart. Be careful out there. God's death. 1370 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you, sir. Dubrovko with a thousand says, I are have trading plan for you to take advantage of government and Binance fiasco. Beep boop. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Man shit. Okay, hold on. Mr. Man Shit to ton of numbers. 
Mr. Man shit ton of numbers. God dang it. He's going to he's going to fry me on that one. 500 says, "Hey, Infopocalypse of the 500 says, "Thanks for all you do. Enjoy the show. Thank you." Mcott with 404 says, "Cheers." Uh Kvart Beerborn with 250 says, "Gensler riding off into the sunset behind the charred ruins of the crypto corral." Streets packed with the piled up bodies of crypto Twitters, Telegram pump and dumpers, and stuck with my stepbrother thumbnail face YouTubers. That's my vision of the bare end. <laughs> Pies with 250 says another excellent show. Sir, Bitgus with 200. Okay. A caveat before I read this. I am legally constrained to never give financial advice, therefore, None of what I'm about to read or react to is financial advice. You have to make your own decisions and we'll get into that. I'm considering withdrawing my simple IRA. There's about 10 grand in it and I would rather pull it out sooner rather than later to avoid a massive penalty. I'm simply having doubts in the fiat system and my IRA savings are a product of that. What are your thoughts on this? Love the show. My thoughts on this are that I cannot tell you what my thoughts are. I can tell you what I did. I pulled my IRA, but I'm going to have to take a penalty on it. Okay. Why did I pull my IRA? It was just, it, it was a con, it was a, like a confluence of like three or four different things. One of them is I don't trust the fiat system at all, but they have this tendency to be able to kick the can down the road for a lot longer than you can stay liquid. Right. I mean, they're they're just another market. Markets can say can stay insensitive longer than you can stay liquid. They can stay erratic longer than you can stay liquid. See, get my drift. <clears throat> but what you should do is you should make if you're going to do this, then you need to contact your either tax attorney or your the guy that does taxes uh, or that does your accounting for your taxes. Your your tax accountant. If you don't have either one of those, I highly recommend that you go find one because listening to some dude in a podcast about what you should do with your 10 grand in your IRA is probably not the best way to go. You, you might have respect for some of the things that I've said, maybe because I've been right about some things, but how many times have I been wrong? Uh, huh? I've been wrong a few times. I've been wrong. I want you to be as careful as you can be when you're making this decision. And I cannot give you advice to swing either way, either way, because I could be wrong. So you need to keep it in your IRA. I could be, I could be wrong. I could get you into trouble that way. I could say, pull it out. I could get you into trouble that way. You need a tax attorney or, and, or hopefully you have one that's got both uh, a tax accountant. Because they'll tell you what the real ramifications are for your state, for your country, all of that, all of that, all of that, all of that. You need to go do that. Okay, so just be aware. Uh, That's the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. I want to remind you guys. If you want to help the show, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts is the best way to do it. It really is. Because I got two, or actually I think like three over the last week when I started really reaching out to you guys and say, you know, I could use a favor. I, you know, could use some help over here. Um, 
the the listener numbers uh, that I'm seeing in analytics off of SoundCloud, uh, they spiked hardcore after after all of that. I need I, I need that again. I need that to be constant and consistent. Uh, I know that time is valuable to you, and I know you got other things to do. If, however, you can carve out a couple of minutes of your day to five star review my ass over there on Apple Podcasts, it's it's helping. It's a, there's a physical, tangible, palpable difference every single time that that happens. If you do that for me, I'd appreciate it. And streaming Sats. If if you haven't learned how to use podcasting 2.0 like the like using Fountain app or something like that, it's time to learn how to use this. Just like it's time to learn how to self custody your Bitcoin. Fountain dot app is my favorite podcasting 2.0 app, but there's like several out there. It's got a Bitcoin Lightning wallet inside of it. Fill it with some satoshis. Stream me one sat a minute just to test. Just to test, figure out how to set the sat streaming, figure out all the things. There's there's a help file inside the app where you can click a button that says, how do I, you know, with the help. And it will take you to a website that shows you how things, how you know, work on, on uh, podcasting 2.0, or at least in the Fountain app. But other than that, it works just like any other Fountain app. You just search for the name of the show that you want. And then you go to it, you subscribe to it, and then you start listening to episodes. <clears throat> If you can like stream me just a simple Satoshi per minute, just to test, that actually helps the ratings on Fountain Charts. And as my ratings go up, so does listenership. And as listenership goes up, so do my chances of being able to land a, a high quality sponsor that doesn't piss you off. Because I'm not going to shill a gambling site. I don't know why anybody does that. Shilling a vice... They can get people in real financial trouble, in my opinion, is not the way to be a good brother or sister to humanity. I'm just saying. But you know who is a good brother and sister to humanity or sister? Well, actually, more of a brother because it's Guy Swan, but Guy Swan's in trouble. He's in bad trouble, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to Ginger be stiffen because she's got the, she's got the lowdown on what's going on. Bitcoin Audible Served with a lawsuit for ADA compliance. (gasps) The horror. The horror. In a surprising twist in the world of Bitcoin podcast, Bitcoin Audible, held by popular host Guy Swan, was served with a lawsuit on Friday. The plaintiff, a deaf fan, who's taking the podcasting world to task for a lack of ADA compliance. Swan, whose podcast has been featured in Forbes magazine's top crypto podcast of 2020, now finds himself at the center of a critical debate about accessibility in the digital age. The lawsuit filed in federal court echoes a recent case brought against Sirius XM, Stitcher, and Pandora by the National Association of the Deaf and Disability Rights Advocates for similar reasons. The plaintiff... Backed by Roger Ver, an outspoken critic of Bitcoin and supporter of the lawsuit, agrees that Bitcoin Audible is in violation of the ADA. The ADA requires services provided to the general public to be accessible to people with disabilities. This includes podcast streams, which are viewed as critical sources of news, entertainment, and education. This is not the first time ADA compliancy has been called into question for podcasts. The NAD and DRA recently took SiriusXM and its subsidiaries to court for failing to provide captioning and transcripts of their podcasts, leaving more than 48 million deaf and hard-of-hearing Americans unable to fully enjoy their content. 
The content, or I'm sorry, the current lawsuit against Bitcoin Audible seeks compensatory damages and an injunction and wants a guy to provide interpretive dance videos for all podcast content and affirmatively market the availability to those videos to deaf and hard of hearing people. In response to the lawsuit, Swan, known for his ability to make complex ideas accessible in conversation, quipped, quote, what does he want? Bitcoin inaudible? <laughs> That's like some ultrasound money bullshit. I mean, just read the damn article. End quote. Meanwhile, toxic Bitcoin maximalist JC Crown, known on Twitter as Barack Omaba, took to social media to voice his support for Swan, framing the lawsuit as an attack on Bitcoin. In a series of tweets, Crown argued that the lawsuit was a misguided attempt to control the Bitcoin narrative. Elsewhere in the Bitcoin community, the lawsuit has stirred a wave of support for Guy among the vocal defenders is Corey Clipston, a known figure in the Bitcoin community and founder of Swan Bitcoin. Clipston, in a recent interview, defended Swan, stating, quote, Guy Swan is a stalwart of the Bitcoin community. His dedication to the cause is unwavering, and his podcast, Bitcoin Audible, has been a beacon for many in the crypto world. This lawsuit is not about accessibility. It's about trying to undermine the hard work of individuals who are educating the public about Bitcoin. He continued by saying, we at Swan Bitcoin fully back guy, his work and his dedication to the Bitcoin community are unparalleled. We believe that the court will see this lawsuit for what it is, a misguided attempt to tarnish the reputation of a dedicated Bitcoin educator, In quote. Clipston also affirmed that they would be taking steps to ensure that Bitcoin Audible and other associated platforms would be more accessible in the future. Quote, we're committed to making Bitcoin education available to everyone. And that includes making sure our content is accessible to all of our listeners, regardless of their hearing abilities. Except this guy suing that guy. He can stick with Bitcoin Cash. In a humorous twist to the case, Major General Guy Swan, who shares a name with the Bitcoin Audible host but is otherwise unaffiliated, was contacted for comment in a response that highlights the pervasive reach of cryptocurrency even in the most unexpected places an aide responded on his behalf. Quote, General Swan has no idea what this is about, and he has no idea who Guy Swan is. But this Bitcoin thing is interesting since being invented by a promising Space Force major at MIT. End quote. As the drama unfolds, all eyes are now on the federal court, waiting to see how it rules in a case that could have far-reaching implications for the world of podcasting and beyond. Let's band together to help Guy. Even though this is complete false, Ginger B. Stiffen, this part of the Bitcoin bugle, which makes funny stories, and I thought that this was funny, and we need to lighten the mood at one point or another. However, there's a tone underneath the story, which I think should not be interpreted as funny. The ADA, the American with Disabilities Act, is a real thing. National Association of the Deaf, that's a real thing. And podcasts are inherently not deaf-friendly. And at one point or another, we're probably going to be taken to tasks for real, for not providing transcripts. But see, that's that's the real problem is that where do, I mean, I could get a, you know, I could host a transcript of every show on like my website if I had one, but then I'd have to pay for hosting and all that kind of stuff. Or I could probably host it myself because, you know, not a lot of people are going to to go to it. But the the issue is, is that I could do it. 
And let's say that I do, because I want to be compliant. If deaf people are out there, I want to be able to service them too. Their money spends just as good as anybody else's, right? But what about, how do I control this on every uh, podcast platform that there that there is or could come up, like like Fountain? I mean, I can't, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I can get transcripts for myself if I'm paying the two ninety nine a month fee that Fountain wants to be able to unlock that. But would I be able to provide, pay Fountain to provide that to anybody who's deaf? And that's just that one platform. What about Apple Podcasts? Are they providing transcripts? Am I responsible? And, and I'm not getting, Ginger, if you're listening, you're bringing up a really good point. This may be funny, and it, 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 it is, which is why I read it. And Guy Swan is clearly not in trouble. But we could be. We could be. You know, smaller podcasters could be gone after because we're not providing transcripts. This, it, this is a real thing. And we probably should not be turning up our noses at it. You know, my wife is a huge advocate for people with disabilities. And I don't know how to make sure that every single platform has a transcript of this show. If if somebody out there has an idea on how to easily affect a platform-wide or actually an ecosystem-wide thing that all platforms could find, like maybe it's Podcasting 2.0 and Adam Curry. If somebody out there knows Adam Curry, ask him the question. Is this possible to do? Is there something that is within the tagging system that they were always working on in podcasting 2.0 for transcripts that would filter down through all the, uh, all the platforms. Well, if the platform doesn't read the tagging systems, then the answer is no. Am I held liable for that? This is a, this is actually a real issue. And I really am appreciative of ginger for bringing this up. Even if it was supposed to be funny, that's actually more serious of an issue than I think anybody really believes. But let's move on to Onyx, which apparently pissed a bunch of people off. Onyx, this is, by the way, no bullshit Bitcoin, no BSBitcoin.com. That's no BSBitcoin.com. Onyx, a censorship-free fork of Amethyst. Oh, so now I understand why everybody was getting all pissed off. All right, so here we go. Onyx version 0.55.2 slash dash 2 now as a rebrand and no longer requires uninstalling Amethyst first. Onyx provides the same features and interface as Amethyst, but doesn't have any of the spam filters or reporting shadow bans with a goal to remain censorship free. <coughs> also, it doesn't push notifications yet, said Tony Giorgio. There is no need to delete Amethyst. You can install and use both apps side by side, understand the difference and make informed decisions, wrote Ethan. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay, so that was a whole deal on uh, Noster. There was a bunch of pissed off people. I couldn't figure out what everybody was so hot about because I wasn't able to stay on Noster for very long. I had other things to do. But clearly there were some upset people. And now I know why. Amethyst, which is the Android app for the or Android's client for engaging with the Nostra protocol apparently put into place lots of censorship measures and the ability to shadow shadow ban people and I don't know I'm not an Amethyst user because I don't have Android but be that as it may why 
is is it possible that the developer is future proofing against what may be an inevitable thing that you have to follow on Google Play Store? I don't know, because that's probably going to be a thing. It probably is. But that's why we have people like Tony, right? Because and and that's why you know and and th- and, and I'm I'm really happy that um, the guy I can't remember his name that designed that had Amethyst why it's a you know it's free and open source as far as I know and they were able to fork it and take all that bullshit out and now they're on a raft on their own with Onyx to see if they can survive and I think having a completely censorship free version of anything is the way to go but who survives the future what's actually future proofed. Is it Onyx or is it Amethyst? And what, if anything, are each one of these potentially future-proofed or not future-proofed against? Amethyst seems to be future-proofed against Google Play Store, handing down mandates that say, oh, you can't be mean. Whatever, dude, go change your diaper. Right? Onyx seems to be future-proofed against people who flee uh, Amethyst because they don't want to put up with the censorship bullshit anymore because we've had our fucking fill of it. Who wins? Probably both, but we'll have to see. We'll, we'll just have to see. I'm going to skip the Bitcoin mining surviving thing because we are getting low on time, but I do want to hit this one from Braden Lindria coin telegraph, Jack Dorsey courts controversy by claiming ETH is a security. How the hell is that controversy? It is a security. It's always been a security. It's passed the Howey test ever since it was designed. For the love of God, longtime Bitcoin advocate Jack Dorsey has found himself in a Twitter war with several crypto industry pundits after he responded with yes to a question asking if Ether was a security. The comment caught the attention of Udi Wertheimer, a Bitcoin ordinals developer at Taproot Wizards, who inferred Dorsey was a clown in a tweet on June the 6th. In response, Dorsey tweeted, ETH is not a security? Teach me, wizard. Which prompted Wertheimer to share a five-year-old video of the United States Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler stating that ETH was now sufficiently decentralized and wasn't a security. Hmm. However, Gabor Gerbax, strategy advisor to stablecoin issuer Tether and investment management firm Van Eck, weighed on Wertheimer's comment stating that Ethereum's recent transition to proof of stake may have re-triggered securities laws. Yeah, it did. The online scuffle comes in light of the SEC filing lawsuits against Binance and Coinbase on June 5th and 6th for allegedly offering tokens considered to be unregistered securities. Dorsey also tweeted an implied approval of a screenshot of a post by Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong back in 2015, where he referred to altcoins as a distraction and that Coinbase should instead be focused on Bitcoin. Dorsey continued on his pro-Bitcoin tweeting streak and retweeted a video of Jack Maller, CEO of Bitcoin Lightning application Strike, calling out Armstrong for choosing to prioritize altcoins over building on Bitcoin in the Lightning network. When Dorsey was in charge of Twitter in 2021, the company sold 140 Ethereum-based non-fungible tokens, but he rejected investing in Ether at the time. Dorsey also downplayed Ethereum's development in August of 2021 when he claimed that Ethereum alone wouldn't be able to disrupt big tech. Dorsey recently provided funding and became an advocate for Noster, a decentralized Twitter killer network that integrates Bitcoin Lightning-based payments on the Domus platform. So yeah, so even Jack Dorsey, 
is just verbally saying it and just, you know, because we're tired of people like Udi Wertheimer running around being stupid. Ether is a security. It is a security. It always has been a security. I don't really care what Gary Gensler said. ETH is a security, especially with the whole staking thing. There's no escape for this unless Gary Gensler makes a carve-out for Ethereum and then sends all the rest of the field to the burning hell that they all deserve. And Ether deserves it too. But if he does that carve-out, I don't think he's going to be able to swing it. I just don't. There's too many similarities. Why? I said it yesterday. All of the shitcoin field that our obvious securities took with it the genetics of the mother asshole from which they were shit out of. And what was that? It was Ethereum, the Ethereum network. I don't know why Udi continues down this path. He used to be a relatively good Bitcoiner, but whatever. It doesn't matter. ETH passes every section of the Howey test, and you have to pass every section. There's four. You have to do all four. If you pa- if you fail any one of them, you're not a security. ETH passes with flying colors. There was gray area before they initiated staking, but once staking came in, yeah, dude, that's by the efforts of a third party. I don't know what else to tell you. Let's move on because Black Mirror, the creator says that Chat GPT episode script was shit. <laughs> Decrypt Jason Nelson. <clears throat> While OpenAI's generative AI chatbot has taken the internet by storm, Black Mirror creator Charlie Brooker, not impressed. Uh, eh, I've toyed around with ChatGPT a bit, Brooker told Empire Magazine, saying that he told the chatbot to generate an episode of his dystopian sci-fi series. Instead of generating a new episode, Brooker said that it summarized old episodes of Black Mirror into an amalgamation as if it were a script for a new episode. Quote, it comes up with something that at first glance reads plausibly, but on second glance is shit. Now entering its sixth season, Black Mirror is a British TV series similar to The Twilight Zone. Each standalone episode explores potentially unsettling impacts of technology on society. While ChatGPT may not be writing the next episode of Black Mirror, others see the idea of AI being used to continue or reboot properties as likely. Quote, Consider training an AI program on an older TV series and creating an additional season, actress and computer scientist Justine Bateman said on Twitter in May. Family Ties, for example, has 167 episodes. An AI program could easily be trained on this and create an eighth season. We only shot seven. I had no idea that Justine Bateman was a computer scientist. I find that fascinating. I'm going to have to look into that. As TV and film writers negotiate with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers for a resolution to the Writers Guilds of America's strike, the growing influence of generative AI weighs heavily on their minds. While ChatGPT's narrative capabilities might not measure up to their standards, the prospect of studios utilizing the chatbot and others like it to replace human writers is a substantial worry among members now in its third month of striking. Quote, all we're, <clears throat> all we're asking them at this point is if you want to have AI-generated material, we accept that that's a reality and you're going to do that. But that's just researching. Screenwriter and TV producer Josh Friedman told Decrypt, that's not proper creative screenplay material. Friedman said, 
that Friedman says the concern is that studios will use AI to crank out generic or crappy episodes and then hire one writer to edit what the chat bot produced, effectively doing the work of what would usually take eight or 10 writers to do. For some, using AI to generate content amounts to high-tech plagiarism. Quote, if you use that to write a paper in college, it's considered plagiarism. Why would it be anything different if you use it to write a pitch? Writer and producer of Brave New World, Molly Nussenbaum said. They got a point, but here's the, the whole reason that I gave it to you. It was not because of the strike. It was because of this particular, to this couple of sentences. I've toyed around with ChatGPT a bit, saying that he told Chatbot to generate an episode of his dystopian sci-fi series. Instead of generating a new episode, Brooker said that ChatGPT summarized old episodes of Black Mirror into an amalgamation. Quote, it comes up with something that at first glance reads plausibly, but on second glance is shit. This is a man who has no idea how to interact with ChatGPT, and that's okay. There's nothing bad about that. What I'm getting at here is that the technology is important enough to understand that there's two ways that you can use it. You can use it by going to chat GPT and just writing in a prompt and expecting something that it has no capability of giving you at first shot. There was no way chat GPT was going to be able to give this guy anything other than what he got because he fed it the scripts of the old Black Mirror episodes, right? Or or the thing reached out, if it was chat GPT-5 and it reached out to the internet, it probably got the scripts itself from the internet or people's reviews about it, whatever, it doesn't matter. Chat GPT at that first request was never going to be able to give him anything other than exactly what he asked for, an episode based on a series. Of course, it's going to be an amalgamation because it's based on your series. It doesn't work that way. That's the second way that you use chat GPT or artificial intelligence or generative AI or whatever you want to call it, is you actually have to work with it over a span of real time. You have to go back and forth with it. You have to learn how it works. You have to learn how you work with it. I can't just go and my first request ever to, you know, stable diffusion is paint me a tree and then whatever it returns, think that it's anything but absolute shit. I didn't say what kind of tree. I didn't say the background. I didn't say what aspect ratio. I didn't say, is it in the style of an artist? I didn't say if it was watercolor charcoal, pastels, photograph, realism. I I just said, give me a tree. And it's going to give you exactly what you asked for. And it's going to be shit because your request was shit. Garbage in, garbage out. Works for computers as well as AI. So all of the people that are out there saying, see, it can't even do a simple episode of Black Mirror. Do you have any idea how hard that it, that would be? Black Mirror episodes are very, very well done. I love that show, but expecting chat GPT to work by itself in a dark room without any other input than what came before it, it's going to generate exactly what the guy asked for. He got exactly what he wanted. He just didn't know it. 
be careful when you're talking to people that don't know how to use it and make sure that you're not one of the people that don't know how to use it. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying, cause otherwise you might end up taking bribes and Bitcoin like this Russian government official. He's under investigation for receiving 1000 BTC in a bribery scandal. <laughs> Bitcoinnews.com. It's written by Alex Larry. According to reports from local media outlet, outlet Camarasant, a Russian government official has been accused of accepting 1,000 BTC or $28 million in a robbery scandal. The case involving Marat Timbiev, a Russian government official, has taken a significant turn with prosecutors uncovering evidence of Bitcoin bribes while investigating allegations of corrupt, corruption against him. It has been revealed that Tombiev is the owner of a substantial amount of Bitcoin, specifically 1,032.1. On April the 7th, 2022, he received the Bitcoin from members of the in-fraud organization hacker group. Interestingly, this transaction occurred while Tombiev was actively investigating, involved in investigating the very same members of the group. He allegedly accepted the substantial payment in Bitcoin for exchange for not seizing their assets. Guess whose assets are going to be seized and then sold on the open market at market value? His Bitcoin. Because I guarantee you, he doesn't have it secured properly. Parting shot. If you're still in shitcoin, stop it. Sell it for Bitcoin right now. If you still have Bitcoin on exchanges, stop it. Get that shit off. Use a cold card. Or whatever. I don't care what you use at this point. My choice is cold card. That's what I use. Get your shit off the exchange. Because when, as we are still retain any of our value on these exchanges, we are not being proper stewards of Bitcoin. It's going to end up in the hands of people that don't like Bitcoin. So you're basically handing your Bitcoin to Bitcoin's enemy. Don't be that guy. Get your shit off. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. This one came from Noster. I changed all my usernames to Kenny. Now all I have is Kenny logins. Eh? Eh? <laughs> it's pretty good. I like it when I find uh, really, really terrible uh, dad jokes on on Noster. Means that I'm getting to y'all. Um, I can't. I, I I'm gonna do it one more time. Get your shit off the exchanges. It's more insidious than you know. You're literally potentially handing the very thing that does not help Bitcoin, the Bitcoin itself, to Bitcoin's enemies. If the United States Marshal Service, if somehow or another, let's take it to the worst extreme possible, United States Marshal Service ends up with all of Binance's BTC and all of Coinbase's BTC, and they tell the customers, too bad. It's just too bad. They're not going to give it back to the customers. They're not even going to exchange it for cash. Let's not even worry about it. U.S. Marshal Service is now in possession of hundreds of thousands and millions of Bitcoin that they immediately sell on the open market. How did you help Bitcoin? You didn't. You just didn't. Or, well, here's the other potential. They could send it to a burn address. Okay. That actually helps Bitcoin's price, but it doesn't help anything else. And But that's just my opinion. You may have different opinions, and I agree. If you think I'm wrong, tell me about it in a boostagram and tell me why I'm wrong. But still, it would help the 
fiat price or the quote unquote value of the Bitcoin that if you were lucky enough to hold Bitcoin in cold storage and you didn't get yours seized, then yeah, you, you made out like bandits, but not the people who had their Bitcoin seized. I don't think, I don't think that helps anybody. So if you've got a good argument for why it does, let me know, because I'd like to hear it. We have to be good stewards of this. It's not about all about number go up technology. If I, I really, sometimes I, I think it's funny to say, but Honestly, sometimes I think it's cringe when I hear it, but it's not just about that. We also have a fiduciary commitment to the actual protocol itself to keep it safe. And the only way that you can keep it safe is to keep your Bitcoin for yourself on your own private keys. Whatever device you choose to generate those keys, I right now I don't care. It's more important to get the Bitcoin off of Binance, get the Bitcoin off of Kraken, get it off of Coinbase, get it off of wherever it is. The only place that you should not get your Bitcoin off of is your very own cold storage that was generated by your private keys that you made, that somebody else didn't make it for you. Do that, and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.